Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture, broadcasting today from the TV studios for This Week in Agribusiness. I'll be co-hosting with my good friend Max Armstrong on this weekend's show. Hope you'll tune that in if you have the opportunity. Thanks for being with us today and allowing us uh, here at AOA to be a part of your day. We're going to be talking a lot today about the uh, confirmation hearing yesterday for Andrew Wheeler to be uh, the uh, full-time EPA administrator. We'll talk with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, a little bit later, as well as Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. We're also going to talk markets today with Clayton Pope from Clayton Pope Commodities. But we're going to start things off looking at the news with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Even though the government shutdown continues, there's still lots going yeah. on. And uh, in, including uh, USDA bringing back, uh, what, some 2,500 workers for FSA offices for uh, for three right. days of work, a chance to get some checks out maybe and some paperwork done. Yeah, very uh, pretty limited amount of work, uh, getting uh, handling 1099s um, uh, and uh, servicing existing loans. That's about, uh, about the most they're going to do maybe open some priority mail, um, but that's 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 it. Um, <clears throat> administration is pretty limited in what it can do, and, and they're really struggling to find find ways to get workers back to deal with things. But uh, in this case, they're using days, uh, Monday's a holiday. Um, uh, they'll be open on uh, Tuesday as well, the third day. So- yeah, Secretary Purdue saying he's he's trying to find these ways, trying to be creative, finding ways to uh, keep uh, you know some services going uh, at least uh, in in temporary fashion while this shutdown continues. And are you seeing or hearing anything that makes you think the shutdown's anywhere close to ending? No, <laughs> it's, it's pretty it's pretty simple. There is uh, both sides are dug in. There is just no sign of movement. Um, you know, and uh, the Republicans on the Senate side are hanging with the president. Uh, there's uh, been very little sign of, uh, you know, fracturing over there. Um, that's what would uh, could change everything if they, <clears throat> if there's a significant number of Republicans over there say this is just cannot go any longer. Um, but uh, so far, that's not happened, and uh, so there is just no sign of an end to this. Meanwhile, in Congress, uh, they are working on some things, filling out committees, uh, including the Ag Committee. They did. Uh, House Democrats uh, you know, named their members today. We've had uh, some other significant uh, committees uh, to agriculture, and actually probably more significant in the next couple of years. Uh, Ways and Means, uh, the committee that's going to handle the uh, uh, trade, uh, the new NAFTA 2.0, uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, that's going to go through Ways and Means. They uh, named the new committee members, uh, and their uh, the chairman of that committee, who was a fairly pro-trade Earl Blumenauer, beat off uh, or beat back uh, um, a, a fellow Democrat who was favored by uh, the labor union. So that's, that's important. Uh, the House Appropriations Committee as well. Um, uh, it's been uh, been filled out. That's uh, the committee, of course, that uh, moves the spending bill for USDA and uh, FDA, and in 
Interior EPA, or actually USDA and FDA. You know, the committee handles Interior and EPA. Now, there is uh, some new legislation uh, being uh, put up uh, that would allow certain foreign ag workers to receive permanent U.S. residency. That's going on, uh, uh, you know, as we look at this issue. I believe they these individuals would have a chance to apply for what's what called a blue card to continue working in the U.S.? Yeah, it's uh, it's very hard to see um, ag labor getting dealt with unless there is a grand bargain on immigration. Um, uh, it's it's hard to pull out one immigration issue um, except possibly DACA uh, without uh, it uh, being part of a. Uh, it, it just needs to be part of a broader, just for the politics, part of a broader. Uh, resolution. For example, you take the ag labor, um, that has to be coupled with mandatory E-Verify. Um, for Republicans, for Democrats, they want to pair that with, uh, you know, obviously with uh, other uh, other immigration measures because they know the ag labor brings along Republican votes. So that's that's the politics of it. It's a very, very difficult issue. You know, you can never rule anything out. Um but uh, it's it's a very it's a very difficult issue. Uh, both sides, you know, to 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 date have benefited from the politics around immigration. So we'll see. Yeah, it's frustrating, and we've talked about this before. When it comes to this issue, even though there are some things that could get done, especially on the ag side, they very seldom do because it gets caught up in the bigger picture, and it's like it's a failure to do something because they can't do everything. So. Uh, uh, Exactly. You know, the stalemate that we have. All right, Phil Brasher's with us from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, just uh, your thoughts looking ahead to whenever we get to this CA. It just seems like with this climate in Congress and between Congress and between Democrats, especially, and, and President Trump, how are they going to get this thing passed? Well, you know, there's a lot of concern that what Democrats won't give. Uh, want to give him a victory on this, but uh, there are Democrats that want to see it uh, uh, passed as well. I had a, an extended conversation yesterday with Ron Kind, congressman from uh, Western uh, Wisconsin, who's a uh, senior member of the Trade Subcommittee on uh, Ways and Means, um, colleague of Earl Blumenauer, who's, who's going to be chairman of that committee, and, uh, and um Kind had a extended conversation last week with uh, Bob Lighthizer, the U.S. Trade Representative. Kind said uh, that there are a couple of things that uh, that really have to happen for the agreement to move in the House. Uh, one is to get a resolution of the steel, aluminum, steel and aluminum tariffs that uh, we still have on uh, Mexico and Canada, uh, which are causing problems for um, some of our sectors, and. Um, uh, the other another issue that's important for Democrats is for Mexico to get uh, its uh, new uh, labor regulations implemented, uh, the ones that it has agreed to as part of the negotiations. Uh, that's a high priority for Democrats. So those are a couple of things that that, that really need to happen. Uh, obviously, there's the you know the broader uncertainty just surrounding the political atmosphere uh, that you got to deal with as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but it's it's going to be critically important that they uh, get to find a way to work through this, and we'll be watching that closely in the weeks ahead. All right, Phil, thanks a lot for the update. We appreciate it. Okay.
Okay, great to be here. Thank you. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. So yesterday, Andrew Wheeler's uh, confirmation hearing was held as he has, of course, been nominated to be the administrator for EPA. And a lot of questions uh, concerning getting E15 approved for this summer. He says they're still working at it, still thinks they can get it done, but admits that the longer the government shutdown goes, the more that is uh, that possibility get, could get pushed back, which has brought a lot of questions up that the renewable fuels industry has been posing all along. Why did you cut it so thin? so close to begin with. Why didn't you get started on this earlier? We're going to talk about that with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, coming up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. 
AutoFinancing.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, yesterday's confirmation hearing for Andrew Wheeler to be the full-time administrator at EPA certainly had the attention of the renewable fuels industry. Let's uh, talk now with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thanks for joining us. Uh, What did you hear that you liked, and what did you hear that uh, concerned you? Thank you, Mike. Um, What did I like? I liked that a handful of senators uh, were, were willing to confront uh, Andy Wheeler on some of the really priority issues that we have in the ethanol industry. Senator Ernst of Iowa, Senator Rounds of South Dakota, uh, Senator Duckworth of Illinois. Those three particularly I, th- I thought were very effective in, in conveying some of our concerns. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, there, there was some good and, and bad from him, of course. Um, he, he, he reiterated the commitment to getting the rulemaking done by the summer driving season so E15 uh, could be available year-round. Um, but you look in his written testimony, you can't find the word ethanol. You can't find the word renewable fuel standard. You can't find anything on E15. And maybe the worst part of the hearing for me was that uh, Wheeler faced several questions about undermining the RFS through these small refinery exemptions and how members of Congress intended for EPA to reallocate those gallons that were waived for certain refiners. And uh, Mr. Wheeler skirted or ignored um, or defied any of those requests. And so uh, we, we have a lot more work to do with him and EPA on the small refinery issue. Yeah, plenty of concerns there. Let's kind of get into it. Let's start with getting E15 approved by this summer. He said that he thinks they can still get it done. They plan on getting it done, but admitted that the longer the government shutdown goes, the harder it will be to get that done, which brings up the question that I know you and others have been asking, why didn't you get started on this sooner? Yeah, this really drives me crazy, Mike. Um, The president, uh, 100 and, I don't know, 102 days ago, made the announcement that he was instructing EPA to move forward. That was early October. EPA could have issued a proposed rulemaking late October or November or December or January. They didn't. They said they had to wait until February. Now we have, of course, this government shutdown and the uncertainty about whether this RVP rule for E15 year-round can get done on time or not. Um, And so... I think we have to keep holding EPA's feet to the fire. Obviously, Andy Wheeler cannot reopen the government. That requires a a cooperative deal between the president and Congress. But um, we can't let EPA off the hook on this. Yeah, not EPA's fault the government shut down. But, as you said, uh, you can hold them accountable for not getting started on this earlier. So we'll watch and see uh, how this plays out. Now, Let's get to the uh, the small refinery uh, exemptions, small refiner exemptions here. As you said, it's troubling that there's really no indication that there's going to be a change in this. I mean, this could continue what has been very harmful to the industry, the renewable fuels industry, with these exemptions. This sounds like it could continue. It does appear as if it could continue. Of course, when one looks at the, the RIN prices today, 
uh, it would be very hard to justify granting a refinery uh, a waiver or an exemption from the RFS based on RIN prices. But as Andrew Wheeler uh, indicated yesterday, RIN prices are but one factor EPA looks at. And the troubling part that you and I have talked about is these requests from the refiners are considered confidential business information. We cannot have access to any of the data they provide uh, the Department of Energy or EPA to, to request these exemptions. We cannot have access to any of the data that EPA uses to justify these exemptions. And so these, these waivers sort of occur in the dark. And then, to make matters worse, if EPA refuses to reallocate the gallons to, to other refiners that don't get waivers, it, it undermines the purpose of the RFS. And so I think, you know, we have some time between today and when uh, Mr. Wheeler will be confirmed, and I, I suspect he will, in the Senate. I hope senators take advantage of this time um, to hold his feet to the fire a little more closely and carefully on this topic. When did this become an issue? I, I guess it was an issue before we realized it was, but when, when did they start granting these uh, exemptions? I think a couple of things happened. One, refiners have always been crafty about figuring out how they can escape their responsibilities under the RFS, and so there were petitions and requests made um, dating back to 2015, 2014, 2015, 2016. Um, things started to change, one, when EPA lost a couple of court cases that refiners had brought against how the agency was implementing the small refinery exemption provision. So that's one. But the second thing, you cannot discount the fact that there was a significant change in how EPA handled this from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. Under Obama, there were a handful of requests made. Most of those were rejected, maybe one or two were accepted um, under the Trump administration, and particularly Scott Pruitt when he led EPA, there was this proliferation of requests, Mike. There were, you know, dozens and dozens of requests, and virtually all of these requests have been granted. And so it's, I think, the combination of that those court cases, but just, just a different attitude within this, this Trump administration. And there is therein is the irony. Uh, we have a president who's very publicly supportive of ethanol and renewable fuels, but yet uh, these exemptions that have harmed the industry uh, have taken place on his watch and during his administration. That's precisely correct. And if these small refinery exemptions continue, E15 year-round may not matter as much because the exemptions are going to uh, wipe out any market access benefit we may get from allowing retailers to sell E15 year-round. And so we've really got to get to the root of these small refinery exemptions. We've got to um, restore some sanity to how they are uh, implemented, and we've got to get some of this RFS demand back, some of these gallons back, um, this industry is hurting right now. We have plants shutting down. We have plants idling back, uh, able to to do what they need to do in terms of making a living in rural America off renewable fuels. Um, this is this is a growing problem. 
I think you hit on the key point. I mean, it sounds good. It looks good when the president goes to the American Farm Bureau Convention and, again, uh, talks about E15 year-round and how good that is for farmers. That gets a, uh, you know, a big round of applause. But what's not being said there is what you just said, that if they don't fix this waiver issue, it's going to offset uh, any gains that you get from the E15 year-round. It really is, and I'm a big believer in actions speak louder than words. Um, we're pretty used to getting, you know, praise from various politicians for uh, the rural rural America plays and in keeping the economy going and how valuable farmers are to the fabric of our society and our overall economy. And I'm sort of at the p- point where I'm cynical, Mike, and I, I don't want the platitudes and the pats on the back. I, I want I want to see action, and that's that's really where we are. We need um, the the E15 announcement is fantastic, but we need action, and we also need action to get this RFS back on track. Brian, uh, what is your vision for the RFS beyond 2022? Well, that's a big one. I you know Senator Kramer of North Dakota asked. Uh, Andy Wheeler about that in yesterday's hearing. The way the law is written, the RFS doesn't expire 2020 in 2022 or beyond. The law simply gives EPA a significantly more authority to determine the volumes going forward. Um, in a perfect world, I'd want to try to make sure that we could have, um, you know, greater certainty about what those volumes will be and an opportunity for corn ethanol especially to see increased access to the market. Um, Congress is too dicey right now. We can't go to Capitol Hill and try to change the law. I think the, the opening the RFS at this stage may not be what we, what we would want. Changing in Congress, and, you know, that's something we could look at. So the alternative we have is to work with EPA, whoever is in charge at EPA, and make sure that the guardrails that are in the law are followed when they go down the road of embarking on the 2022 and beyond um, time frame. And we're going to get a hint for what that looks like very soon, Mike, because the RFS reset rule will come out in, in February. And that is very similar to the process EPA must use post-2022. And so we're going to get a good Andrew Wheeler and EPA have in yep. mind for the RFS in the future. Um, All right. All right, Brian, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Coming up next, we'll talk markets with Clayton Pope from Clayton Pope Commodities here on AOA. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. 
If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. It's time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, we saw positive signs in the overnight trade, but Back to a mix early on this Thursday trading session. In soybean futures, trending a fraction to two cents higher. Corn futures, a fraction higher. Wheat futures, one to three and a half cents lower. The seven-day forecast, still hot and dry for south-central Brazil. A big crop still expected, but not a record crop. March soybeans, an hour into the day, up two cents at 8.96 and a half. Wednesday's low roughly coincides with minor chart support at 8.92. That'd be the low from December 31st. For now, the trend remains positive, according to the early wire talk. In corn, March a fraction higher at 3.74 and a quarter. We see resistance at 3.75 and a half. On the downside, March corn bears see an initial target at 3.67 and a quarter. The low from November 26. Chicago wheat March contract down three and a half at 5.09 a bushel. Minneapolis March down a penny and a quarter, 5.63 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat march down two and a quarter, 4.93 and a quarter cent. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle, hand and feeder cattle, minus signs on this Thursday. Live cattle trending 40 to 75 cents lower. Feeder cattle 35 to 72 lower in the more active contracts. Cash cattle packer interest should begin to improve today. Bids likely to start off at 120 and higher. Lean hog futures, a mix, February up 12 at 60.17, back months flat to 55 cents lower. On Wall Street, the Dow is 64 points lower, S&P down 3, February crude oil in New York down 98 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're going to talk markets with Clayton Pope, with Clayton Pope Commodities. And Clayton, thanks for joining us. I guess it'd be a lot easier to give some market outlook if you knew what was going to happen between the U.S. and China, right? Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, that's that's the big unknown here for sure. Although I think sometimes it, uh, and, and I, I do think that this seems to be dawning on the trade a little bit, uh, that whole trade thing, uh, it, it's obviously very important, but it, 
it, it, it's, it might not be just the, this of supreme importance that everybody's making it out to be. I mean, the, the fact is the fundamentals are what they are. Um, even if China were not absent, you know, our carryover would still be at an all-time record high level. Uh, you know, we're, we're being plagued with, uh, you know, fantastic production. This is the aftermath of fantastic production for several years in a row. So let's, let's for a moment, look at South America. Uh, their crop not as big as we thought it was going to be, as they thought it was going to be. But is it uh, still big enough to add to global supplies? Uh, as of right now, it is. Uh, I would put, probably put Brazil at you know 116 million metric tons or something like that. That seems to be the consensus of the you know these recent rounds of estimates we've received. Uh, but I, I think that's a, a shrinking number. I think when the dust settles, we might be closer to 110 or, or possibly even below that. Um, I, I don't think the at, at, at current thought, you know, 115 or 116, the, the market's probably, uh, you know, the world w- would be okay with that. I don't think it'd have much uh, of a friendly price impact. I think it's already in the market. But if you get below 110, um, we still aren't going to be at, even then we wouldn't be at tight levels by any means. If you look at a world stocks to usage ratio, for example, even if you knocked it down to 110 or 105, we're still going to be in the upper realm of what that stocks to usage ratio has been at over history. But it would do a real important thing, I think, if you know if you started to knock it down that far, it would very definitely, um, rightfully in, increase the expectation that China would kind of be forced to come back to us. Let's look at acres here in the U.S. We kind of was we were just expecting, figuring that uh, soybean acres are going to go down. It was just maybe not as much as uh, some had thought. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a, a great issue, Mike. Um, you know, originally a couple months ago, I mean, heck, you had uh, not only was there uh, a re- one of those unofficial, uh, what they call the baseline report at USDA, I think they were looking for a 7 million acre reduction, and uh, Informa was talking 5 to 7 million, and that wasn't all going to go to corn, but certainly corn was expected to increase, you know, 3 or 4, something like that. But uh, I think for, for a lot of reasons now that the, there's no way it's going to be that extreme of a switch. Um, for one thing, just the price. I mean, that bean corn ratio continues to, uh, it's almost, uh, the long-term average would be about 2.5 to 1. I mean, it's not that far below that anymore. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so that's, the I think, you know, maintaining some bean acres. But then the other thing that you hear a lot of talk about is, uh, you know, the, the lack of fall field work done for corn. And um, that being the case, you know, for guys who are still wanting to plant corn, they're obviously looking at a, a much higher price tag for some of those inputs. So, uh, that will probably tend to uh, uh, keep some uh, those switchable acres in, in beans, I think. So I don't know. I, I think I would guess the trade's probably right now trading something like about a 2 million acre switch. Mm-hmm. Now, there's still time for that to change, but it's hard to see it changing significantly between now and planting time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think the trade every year uh, kind of makes the mistake of uh, – uh, over overestimating how fluid of a number that is, because the mm-hmm. fact is, you know, by and large, your vast majority of growers are set on a rotation schedule, and that's not going to change. But that being said, I just uh, was out in uh, North Carolina last week. We have a branch office out there in Charlotte, and um, they had a, a big growers meeting out there. And the, the, that part of the country, as the far northwest, like in the Dakotas and so forth, it's amazing how fluid they are. So they, they kind of run counter to what I said a minute ago. But as far as like the I states, you know, the, the central uh, geographic core of the of the growing area, I think those guys are pretty much uh, 
dialed into a rotation. But, but you know, the Far East and Far West, no question, they definitely are very responsive to price changes. We're talking with Clayton Pope with Clayton Pope Commodities. Let's look more at this China situation. More talks scheduled in Washington, D.C. later this month. Uh, we've seen some purchases by China here recently, not near what they were, but uh, you know, at least making some. I think the big question post-agreement, whenever that agreement may come, is will they, you know, the thought is they're going to buy even more than they were. I think the big question, first of all, will we get back to where we were uh, before all this started happening? Uh, uh, well, you know, my short answer would be no. I, I don't think we will. I don't think we will almost no matter what. Um, I, I think that uh, wh- whether you agree with Trump's motivation for doing this and all or not, um, and, and I'm, I'm not even going to go there, but but I, I don't think there's any question. We, we kind of has given us, the, the whole process has given us a little bit of a black eye in terms of being a reliable supplier to the world. And China is obviously has huge needs, and uh, they've clearly taken some steps to looking for alternative supplies and suppliers. I mean, they've changed their their uh, their you know hog feeding uh, ratios and so forth. Um, they, they've they've bought from countries that they've never had to buy from before. Uh, as we all know, they're constantly stepping up their investment and in, in ties with South America, uh, not to mention the rest of the world, and so. I, I don't know. I mean, not not. I don't think there there there's any way they can stay away from us entirely. But uh, I'd be surprised if they get back uh, on a relative basis um, to to the levels that they peaked at. What's your corn outlook? I've got to be friendly corn. Um, it, it, it's just you look at the supply demand and, and the stocks to usage ratio. It uh, it amazes me that corn remains so cheap relative to soybeans, to tell you the truth. Uh, the, there's just no comparison in terms of your know, relative tightness, so to speak, like I said, vis-a-vis the, the stocks to usage ratio, both on a U.S. and a, on a world basis. Uh, add to that uh, the noise we're hearing lately from China. Um, despite the fact that in December they came out with those bizarre numbers that you know, they completely redid the supply and demand, the USDA did, you know, going back like 10 years, um, now, from every indication, uh, you know, an awful lot of that corn apparently was, you know, kind of corn that's going out of condition. And the the story yesterday was that uh, they, they think that uh, most of that corn, they're going to run out of those excess supplies uh, between 2019 and 2020. Um, they, they clearly are trying to step up their ethanol program. Uh, so I, I think that demand from them um, is a positive going forward. But... Uh, not only that, here in the U.S., I mean, let's say if, even if you added 2 million acres, like we are just talking about the acreage switch, if you add 2 million acres to corn and if you keep demand the same, uh, you would get that carryover with the trend line yield, you'd get that carryover down to about 1.5 billion, you know, from 1.7 or 1.8 now. And, man, that's uh, that's not, again, it's not real bullish, but that's not leaving a whole lot of room for error just you know, in case we stumbled as far as uh, production here in the U.S. or the safrina crop in Brazil. I mean, that's another factor I think is very positive. It's very dry down there. Um, over half the country has had uh, uh, less than 50% of the normal precip and above normal temperatures in the last 30 days, and that all makes a difference. The safrina crop is being planted now. And uh, the, the, I think the market is taking note of that. That's why the last couple of days corn has finally perked up a little. You know, another China story that continues to be a big story is African swine fever. And they don't seem to yet have a handle on this. They've not contained it, it doesn't seem like. No, it sure doesn't sound like that. Um, 
there again, there seems to be some mystery as far as the actual numbers. Uh, Scott which, Irwin, which is always about, happens with China, right? It's oh, hard absolutely. to get accurate information. Uh, absolutely, but uh, I mean, so far it is. Huge as the numbers are, what were they talking? Eight hundred or nine hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. They thought it had been called, uh, but but you know that's such a small percentage of their overall inventory and all. But uh, everything's relative, and, and there's no question it's uh, fewer hogs on feed than there were, you know, six months ago. So uh, I, I don't know about the, the the spread of that. I mean, they're they're taking some pretty dramatic steps. So obviously they're taking it very seriously. What about wheat? You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of real divided opinion on wheat right now. Um, I, I find myself, uh, I'm having a hard time being bullish wheat. A lot of people want to be because you look at the Black Sea. You know, they keep talking about these uh, whispers from Russia. They might be limiting exports and so forth, but uh, they haven't yet, and uh, I don't think they will, um, especially with the crude oil prices down. The last thing in the world Russia wants to do is, is cut exports of anything. Those guys want to uh, get some some foreign exchange going here, but, um, you know, maybe we can shave that carryover a little bit, but, you know, we're still looking at a billion bushels, give or take. So uh, I have a hard time getting excited about that. I know the acreage is down, but uh, it's down for a reason. You know, we're sitting on too much. Let's wrap it up again more with China, uh, get particular with soybeans. I think there's a feeling out there that at some point this de- deal is going to be announced and we're going to see this huge jump in soybean prices. What do you think is going to – will there be that big of a bump? How big a bump would there be, do you think, if they – again, not knowing what the deal would be, but right. if, just that there's some agreement with China? Well, it's funny. The the last two biggest export sale announcements that have been made in the last three or four months, you know, that the China has, in fact, stepped up and bought some, we closed lower both days. Okay, so I think that says a lot right there. Obviously, it depends on the content of what that announcement might be. Uh, but it, as we get along and you know, move further and further into this crop year, um, we're running out of time, I think, to expect China to be a big buyer of this crop year. So uh, my own bias is I think that ultimately, and I think some announcement will be made, I, I, who knows it'll be if it'll be the end of this month or you know two or three meetings hence, whatever. I, mean, I got to think they'll, we'll come to terms somehow. But I would guess you know, they'll, they'll agree to come back and uh, they'll, they'll pledge to buy you know, X amount of metric tons of new crop. And and if that happens, you've now eliminated the uncertainty. And frankly, I don't think the market would, would see any significant bump, frankly. Well, we'll see what happens. We continue to wait. Clayton, good to see you again. Great to be back, Mike. Clayton Pope, Clayton Pope Commodities. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with Jarrett Renshaw. He's the National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. What did he think of the uh, testimony given yesterday by Andrew Wheeler in his confirmation hearing to be the administrator for EPA when it comes to E15 and the RFS? We'll get uh, Jarrett Renshaw's thoughts next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. 
Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, Manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, <clears throat> me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. 
The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, I've often said that the EPA administrator can have more impact on agriculture and for farmers and ranchers than does the Secretary of Agriculture. It just it was so many different uh, things handled by that agency that, uh, you know, impact uh, farming operations. And um, so there's a, it's very important who's heading up that that agency and what direction that it's going to go. So that's why there was a lot of attention yesterday on the hearing for Andrew Wheeler, his uh, confirmation hearing. And uh, here is joining us now is someone who was watching that closely, Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. Jarrett, thanks for joining us. What stood out to you about uh, the comments by Andrew Wheeler yesterday? Sure, happy to be here. Um, To me, I think the headline comments as it relates to ethanol and, and, and the corn industry is that the E15 rollout, which was hoping to happen, hopefully start the, the rule rollout happen in February, will be delayed. He pledged to kind of get it before the June deadline, but he certainly opened the door for you know, a, a, a prolonged shutdown hampering the EPA's ability to get that done. You know, he said explicitly that, you know, as the shutdown continues there's no work there are no workers that are that are able to actually get that role moving forward so you know and, and, and i don't know about you mike I, I don't see an end to the shutdown anytime soon mm-hmm. so uh you know I, I i don't think it was a great day for ethanol i think if you're if you're hoping for companies to kind of invest in you know into this into this product and, and get up and ramped for the summer season certainly anything that poses a threat or delays that rollout, you know, has to make some people, you know, who, who are going to invest some money think twice. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for all of his pledges and, uh, you know, what seemed to be his support to getting it done, he left a lot of uncertainty there. And it's and we can say, and rightfully so, it's not EPA's fault the government has shut down. But as Brian Jennings said earlier, Brian, of course, executive, uh, uh, rather CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, what he and others in the renewable fuels industry has been, have been saying all along, why did you cut it so close? Why didn't you get started earlier on this to give yourself a little uh, margin for error? And they did not do that. They had a tight timeline from the get-go. Sure. I, my understanding, one of the reasons for the slower rollout than, than, like, than, than, than the industry wanted was that the, the second part of this uh, rule, which is uh, some reforms around how RINs and the credits uh, that underpin the program or trade it. That's a much more complicated set of rules, and they're posing them as a coupling them together, you know, publicly and privately. Um, so if you were to decouple those, could you get the E15 out? The rule's probably already written for the most part. Um, I, I really think it's the second part of that rule that that's going to require a lot more legal work and a lot more attention. And uh, I, th- I think there's some part, some parts of well, a large parts of the ethanol community to say, well, this, you know, let's, let's decouple these things and just let's just move forward to E15. 
But I think one thing we, we noticed yesterday, that is a lot of this is out of the EPA's control at the moment. Until this government is shut down, there's, there's no buttons or levers the EPA administrator can pull to make that happen. So, um, you know, that's the first thing that has to happen. The shutdown needs to go away if, um, if the E15 is going to you know, get rolled out on time. Brian Jennings made a very strong point when he talked with us earlier, saying that if EPA doesn't stop granting these waivers and exemptions to the RFS, it won't matter much if they get E15 year-round or not, because it'll it'll uh, undermine that so much if this policy continues. And I didn't really see or hear anything from Andrew Wheeler yesterday that makes me think they're going to really change that policy. There was there was certainly no takeaways. I mean, uh, he certainly uh, offered uh, he offered support for the Exxon's and Chevron's in the world getting small refining waivers, um, saying that the, the, the the law doesn't look at the parent company; it just looks at the refinery themselves. So he certainly didn't uh, didn't object to those those folks getting getting those waivers in the future. Um, so until something else happens, you, you have to think that the small refining program generally is going to be somewhat status quo. And given that rent prices are so low, you know I think there's going to be some you know path to, to reducing the number but ultimately I, I don't I don't know how far how far we go down um, in terms of the number of, of exemptions granted my I suspect they'll you know they'll be lower but you know not dramatically lower at this point so we'll see here soon uh, what in February I think we'll get a better idea of what direction this EPA plans going when they start releasing the, those numbers uh, the next round of numbers that show their intent. I think maybe that's when they show their hand here. For sure, you know. But you know, one thing we got to remember is the, sh- the slowdown, that the shutdown is probably assuming <laughs> impacting their ability to review these applications as well. Um, you know, we had previously reported that they they were delaying the review as they, um, you know, kind of rework how they score these applications. You know, as I sit here today, I'm not so sure where they're at on that particular process. And, uh, you know, if they're behind there, then, you know, it just this shutdown kind of compounds those delays. So, you know, they have until March 31st to kind of show their hand on these small refining exemptions. So, I, and usually it happens well before that. Um, so, yeah, but I think you're right. If, under normal circumstances, we'd start slow dripping of uh, some of this information would start coming out. Um, <laughs> You know, from now until the end of February. So we're just we're just in yeah, uncharted can... waters here, right? With this shutdown. <laughs> they certainly, yeah, certainly are, and uh, you know, it doesn't seem like the politics of Washington is getting any better. So, uh, you know, I, I, we need the shutdown to kind of uh, happen uh, close first before I think we get clarity on several of those issues. Yeah, we need a shutdown of the shutdown is what we need. <laughs> I think so. I think that's probably yeah. Right. All right, Jarrett. Thanks a lot. Uh, we'll have more to talk about uh, soon, hopefully, when they get this thing settled and we uh, move on to some actual uh, uh, things that the EPA is doing. And uh, I, ge- I guess we expect Andrew Wheeler will get com- confirmed, right? Yeah, there's no reason to think. I mean, I think he'll even right. get some Democratic support. I mean, he is a, he's, he's nothing else but a creature of the, the Washington uh, kind of uh, game, so he certainly uh, he knows how to play and talk and, 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 and right. keep senators happy. So. All right, Jarrett, thanks a lot. We'll be in touch. All right, bye. Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter, 
for Reuters. Well, that does it for today. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.